Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Hey, friends, welcome back. Man, this is a hell of an episode. Sean Walker is... He ticks like 40 boxes, and, and what I'm about to tell you is like, I've never had a guy like this on the show before, only because of these boxes. I mean, he's got a crazy story, too, of course. Who doesn't? He's an actor. He's a coffee guy. He's owned coffee shops. Um, he's a nonprofit consultant. He's a wrestling promoter. He's a wrestler. He knows the WWE, the WWF. He's a football coach. And he's a survivor of, like, the rarest melanoma that went into his brain. Uh, and I mean rare. Like, he's the only living survivor of this crazy thing that rarely happens. And he's here today, alive, in 3D, in person, here in the studio, around to talk about this crazy, unconventional history of his. What it's like to be a two-sport collegiate professional athlete that goes through hell and back. And... Just him telling his story is so resonant with me. And what I went through was 28 years ago, and it's the same freaking thing. I can't do this intro justice to who Sean Wachter is, but he's here. He's amazing. Enjoy the show. Dr. Wachter. You're not a doctor. Welcome to Out of Patience. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks for having me. All right. First question. Do you hate people named Sean that spells it not S-E-A-N? Is there a real battle of the Seans with regard to the way it's spelled? I'm almost envious because it's so much easier to pronounce. Phonetically, it spells itself out. When Have you, you been called seen? Of course. Really? Of course. By who? Oh, goodness. The Starbucks? Starbucks, <laughs> teachers, lunch ladies. My, my entire 38 years on this floating rock, it's been filled with seen and... Don't even, my last name, oof, that, that's even worse. Wachter. Yeah, Wachter. Yeah. I get a lot of Wachter, Wachner, Wachler. Wachter? Yeah. It, it was so bad, actually, when my wife and I got married. I said, you know what? Let, let's do you a favor. Let's let's keep your- Did she not take your name? I, I told her not to. My wife did the same thing. So my listeners know, maybe some of them know, my, Matthew Zachary is my Hebrew name. Okay. Meyer Ziska. Okay. So my last name, my given name is Greenswag. Matthew mm. Zachary Greenswag. But I've been using Matthew Zachary because A- Greenswag, <laughs> spell that one. But you, the, the the absolute tumult and people trying to pronounce that last name all the time. My wife's maiden name was Feldman. I'm like, please keep Feldman. So she's not Jessica Feldman Greenswag because that's the worst credit card limit of type on there. She's just, just Jessica Feldman. So we both did the right thing in, in, in the spirit of our spouses. I, I figured I owed her one being she was kind enough to marry me. Yes. Let, let me make her life a little easier so people aren't going, oh, Mrs. Wachler, watched her, walk. Nope. 
good. My daughter, though, she's stuck with it. Yeah, like my kids are Greenswag. Okay. So I'm Matthew <laughs> Zachary. She's Jessica Feldman. My kids are Kobe and Hannah Greenswag. They're screwed for life. Fair enough. That's the uh, the uh, I don't know semantic uh, identity <laughs> crisis that they'll be facing in their life. <laughs> Who are your parents? <laughs> Coming to pick you up at school? I'm sorry. Who are you? <laughs> How long have you been married? Oh, well, we, we've we been together now for about seven years, and we just tied the knot last Christmas. Good for you. Yeah, we Mazel tov. Thank you. Thank your, you. Mazel tov and all your Irish Germanness. Well, well, Mazel tov is appropriate, as my wife is a daughter of Sarah. Oh. Yes. However, amusingly, I'm the one that makes sure hell, uh, Hanukkah is celebrated in our home. So she made you Jewish. Yes. Brilliant. Yes. Which yes. means your kids are being raised Jewish? Um, or Jewish, we are raising them agnostic. Okay. And my whole viewpoint is when they're old enough to read and learn on their own, own, whatever they choose. So be it. I mean, when Jews say Jewish, like Jews like me, we don't mean like go to synagogue every Friday and separate your meat from your milk and have two drawers. Like Hmm. it's, it's just like, you know, it's eight presents. Well, I, I eight crazy nights. Well, that's the whole thing. I, you know, I totally enjoy the heritage. I enjoy the traditions. It's it's funny watching the uh, Catholic schoolboy cook, you know, traditional Hanukkah dinner. Yeah, you know, with the matzo balls and the, you know, uh, brisket and. The, Can you say challah? Challah. You kind of have the ch. I do emerging. Yeah, well, give I'm, it like three or four years of marriage. Like, being on Long Island, you get a little bit of a leg up on that, you know. Oh, you're you were Jewish before you got married, dude. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're here because of you know, oh, cancer fucked you up, but your your story like i i it's hard to say like i i i've never really had someone that ticked off all these boxes <laughs> at the same goddamn time but i'll just read this off cuz you know there's an intro listeners will know what the show's about but actor <laughs> yep that i mean we're not going to tear them i'm oh, just going to read them just going to go off the list okay coffee guy mhm okay barista coffee shop owner wholesale retail sales i will say not Barista, out of respect for those who actually do that for a living. Well, that's good art. Okay, that, that, I get is, it. that is art. You're that, not making like latte flowers. No, okay. I knew how to make the drink, right. but not well. Okay, so knowing your limits. Exactly. Okay, nonprofit consultant. I have a lot of nonprofit therapy stuff to talk to you about uh, in the second half of the show. Wrestling. Dude, yeah. come on. Like, <laughs> holy shit. Wrestling? Like WWF before WWE wrestling? Yeah. I Old school Vince McMahon. I uh, I took a swing at it a few times. And uh, once I got cleared from the cancer, you know, we uh, wound up throwing a fundraiser and a couple of buddies twisted my arm and back in the ring I went. And then the following year, back in I went. And all of a sudden, very prominent organization called me up and said, well, we know you exist now. Do you still wrestle? And I said, of course. And uh, I partnered up with a local promotion and uh, they're knocking the rust off me right now. That's extraordinary. Again, (laughs) like a box that has not been ticked on this show before. I mean, I had a guy on the show who was like Riddick Bowe's trainer. Like like that's that's a rare box to tick, like get these people on the show. And football guy. Yes. Like hardened sports guy. Yeah, I, I played uh, lacrosse and uh, football in college. And, and you coach. I, I, I coached football for nine years, and I also played a, a season in the now uh, defunct uh, Arena League. My, okay. my season that I played was 2008, and I played with uh, the New Jersey Revolution and the New York Dragons. 
And after the season was done, due to the economic crisis, the league folded. What economic crisis? Well, no, what country do you live in? Exactly. There's so many now. Yes. Uh, but the 2008 one, and uh, as my friends like to say, uh, you were so bad, they actually folded the league. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could have been the XFL. Could have been much worse. That would have been cool, though. Yeah, that's you know, true. He hate me and all that good stuff. Yeah, that's good stuff, though. And rare cancer dude. Rare cancer dude. I like that. Yeah, yeah. No, uh. Well, so let's define rare because it's it's good to remember what that word means. It's tossed around all the time in the rare <laughs> disease world. Rare, according to the NIH and the NCI with cancer, less than 200,000 cases a year constitutes rare. Mm-hmm. Every cancer under 40, regardless of the type of cancer, is itself rare. Of course, there's 70 some odd thousand a year, way below that threshold. And you were part of that rare club. Yes, at uh, 31 years old. I was diagnosed. Last week, right? Yep, pretty much. Yeah. I, I wish. You haven't aged I, a bit. I wish. No, no, not at all. My hair is still intact and my beard still looks as red as a fire I mean, for engine. radio's sake, like we go to the same barber, so we'll just give the listeners yeah, a, no, a, a I, sense. I, I would say I look more of like a, a, a Fabio type, definitely. Yep. On the book covers. Yes. Yes. On the book covers. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well done. That's a good thing that you don't have a simulcast for this thing, because <laughs> my credibility would go out the window. So were you, like, where were you in this, like, crazy wrestling, football, coffee shop owning guy when this <laughs> happened? Like, like, at what stage of your insane box ticking life were you? All right. So I would say at that point in my life, well, I had uh, tried my hand at wrestling again, and I was about... 27 years old at that point. I had just finished up my first stint of coaching football and working in a public high school. And unfortunately, again, the ripples of the 2008 economic collapse came about. So wound up leaving teaching, not my choice, leaving coaching again, not my choice, just needed to pay the bills. I had my own uh, nightclub security and executive protection company at the time that did. Fair- oh, that's a box I didn't even say. Yeah, yeah that, that's on there. Uh, a lot of people see me now and go, no way. But I was a 300 pound offensive lineman in college. So there you go. Yeah, a little bit of wiggle room to kind of keep people safe. But uh, I figured, oh, well, you know, while I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with myself, let me give the wrestling another crack again. And uh, it was going well. Uh, I was training with another local promotion and. Uh, one of the big boys actually offered me a tryout, had a tryout with them, and they said, hey, oddly enough, learn how to speak German, and then we'll bring you down to Florida for a proper go-around. I said, oh, great. And somebody who's always loved wrestling, and it's always been my rock, and whatever storm has been going on in my life, uh, I was at the top of the world, and unfortunately, I had an injury, and uh, I broke my neck and back. And Wait, that- wait, wrestling's not fake? <laughs> ah, well, you know, we like to use the word predetermined. The That's a good way to put it. The, the F word is a very, very no-no word. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pre- predetermined. It, it well, hurt. yeah, I watched the Under the Giant um, documentary recently, and yeah, it was real enough to really hurt him. Where he gets up and goes, oh, get out of here! Yeah, 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 yeah. The guy's sneaking back. That's the best part. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I broke my neck and back, and uh, I had, oh gosh, must have been nine surgeries and about 16 fusions. So at that point in my life, I was 31, hadn't really done much of anything than gone around and collect the checks from the different accounts that we had for the security company. And uh, I guess the best summation of my life was uh, Meathead Frat Boy at that part. 
<laughs> Before hashtags. That was your hashtag. That was, yeah, it's hashtag meathead frat boy at uh, living by himself in a bar town. You know, that that's basically wow. it, you know, and uh, I watched all my friends and, and buddies, you know, have families, have kids. And at the time I, I was like, you know what, nah. I don't really want that. I'm I'm good with that. I enjoy, you know, being by myself, getting to do my own thing. And, uh, you know, like I said, I was living a life, but I wasn't living a fulfilling life. Right. So, so did all these injuries uh, lead to them finding something that was there that you didn't know about or you had like random symptoms one day? Absolutely not. That actually made things a heck of a lot worse because when I went to go to these various doctors over a period of – Oh, gosh, I'd probably say seven months. Um, I went to them and said, hey, you know, I'm having these headaches. I'm having balance issues. I'm feeling nauseous. I'm feeling dizzy. You know, I'm, I'm losing feeling to my hands. And they said, oh, well, you know, unfortunately, that's all lingering effects from your injury. And The easy answer. Yeah, exactly. The easy answer. And I just kept advocating for myself, saying, no, there's more here. I need you to please look deeper. And... Got to the point where I kept, I guess, you know, figuratively banging on the door of my local hospital so often that they actually wanted to put me on a psych hold because they thought I was having some sort of disorder where I was making up something. Well, yeah, hypochondria is, uh, yeah, yeah, well, of course, jokes on them because two months later I showed up at their emergency room with a massive stroke going on caused by a golf ball sized brain tumor in my cerebellum. Nothing I know about. Oh, is that, nothing I know anything about. No, a golf ball sized tumor in your cerebellum. No. Oh wait, I had that. Yeah, ex- exactly. You know, so tumor buddies right here. But but again, while all this is going on at that hospital, they're going, eh, we're just we're just gonna treat you like you have a head cold, and eh, you're too young to have a scan. I had to use some coarse language in order to get that scan, and within 30 seconds, they knew exactly what was going on, and you know, it was just, it was kind of like. All right. Well, now I'm right, but oh wow! Now that I'm right, what's my prize? And well, you have cancer. Yeah, I'm endlessly <laughs> nodding my head here because this is exactly my story, a hundred percent. And this was in the '90s, of course. So, like, it sucks. You have to have real symptoms for them to take you seriously. But at the same time, is it fair for them to just say, "Oh, you have a brain tumor" when you're 31 years old, which is extremely rare? And just to go on the cold medicine thing, they I was given Robitussin at some point during that semester because they thought I was just like had flu like symptoms and like Robitussin for brain cancer. I vowed that would never happen again, and that happened to you. Well, it's you know after obviously this happened, I uh, reevaluated some of my clinicians, and the big joke with my father and my, and my wife is that. Z-Pak cures cancer because... I thought Windex cures cancer. Well, you know... You're not Greek, though, so... Yeah, you know, it's... Who knows what I am? I'm a mutt. But, <laughs> uh, no, he... My, my primary care doctor, uh, one of the last times I saw him before I got sick, he said, here, have a Z-Pak. And apparently that's that's all you need when you're having a brain bleed and losing your ability to walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a Z-Pak, that's all. So what was this fabulous thing inside your head? This fabulous thing was a manifestation of stage four melanoma, and it was a rare type where they were never able to find the primary on my skin. But since I used to have blonde hair and blue eyes, apparently it's easier for folks myself to contract this rare type of melanoma. And On the inside. On the inside. 
And then to make it extra juicy, this is the fun complication that gave me 12 weeks to live. It spread to my brain and spinal cord fluid called leptomeningital disease. It's a lot of syllables. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, the life expectancy, the maximum life expectancy once being diagnosed is 12 weeks. Apparently, I am the only documented case they have of someone that survived this. And through two DNA tests, I am certified clean seven years later. So is that a good misdiagnosis? You'll be dead in six months. Oh, thanks for being wrong. You know, well, your case, three months, 12 weeks. Well, yeah, th three months. Everything was there, though. It wasn't like, you know, they were just guessing. They tested the spinal cord fluid. I was having the seizures. You know, everything was showing up. And even after a year or two into treatment, which was a year or two that I didn't think I was going to get, it was still showing up. It finally didn't clear itself out of their samples until about, oof, probably about two years ago. And then the summer of 2022 was when they finally gave me that DNA test. And they said, mm, you're, you're clear. And actually, you're the only one who's ever done this before. Wow. Yeah. That's not just rare. That's fucking rare. Yeah. And uh, like we were talking about earlier, you know, I, I get this news and everyone all of a sudden is like, oh, you need to have a party. And I said to myself, I got awful survivor's guilt, you know. That's a real thing. It is, especially, you know, when one of the most early, like the earliest impacts that happened on my cancer journey was getting radiation after having the tumor removed, you know, through um, craniotomy. With the, Where's your scar? It's on the back of my head. You probably have the same one I have, like a little zipper in your neck. Well, see, the fun thing with me is since I had all those fun neck and back surgeries, mm. I have one continuous scar going from the middle of my head all the way down to the crack of my hiney. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Now, yes. that's a zipper. No, that's a zipper and a half. So. I like you said hiney. Yeah. You have know. you heard the show? Nah, I, I haven't. I haven't. I, I just know that eventually- It's a very 70s, 80s, Gen X way to say it. I, I like it. I, I got to say it because I know my boss may give a listen. Okay. My, my wife is going to listen. I'll take it for the team and just say fuck every single other sentence. You'll have to use my, because that's my normal go-to. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. I get thank, it. Thank Reputation, you. Reputation, all, all sorts of good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So when I got that DNA test, it's just- uh, Oh, it's gone. No, it's gone. It's it's gone. And my buddies say, hey, have this party. And like I said, I had this terrible survivor's guilt because- You're the only one. I uh, know. Well, also too, when I first got, started getting treated and they were clean- Wait, wait, wait watch the table. Oh, sorry, again. You just gesticulate pretty well. I'm just, like, just damn it, damn it, I'm gesticulating. I'm <laughs> flaring. You know, when my wife hears this, she'll probably be like, I know exactly how you were doing and what gesture you were doing at that time. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, too much talking with my hands. You know, that's why I told you we have to reevaluate that whole being Irish position. No, it's good. It's, it's dynamic. Like your actor genes are showing through. But let's get to that after the break, because I'm just enthralled. And we're going to spend a lot of time, uh, listeners, um, about 80s wrestlers. So we'll be right back after the break from, um, I don't know. Hulkamania 84. Fantastic. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. 
Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, acting. Okay. Is it fair to say wrestling and acting are in the same Venn diagram? I would say they're in the same Venn diagram, but I would say that they exist in a bigger universe. I would basically call it art, much like music can be art, acting could be an art, wrestling could be an art, painting could be an art. It's all just different mediums of expression and art. And even with music, I've always said, if it's written well and performed properly, I don't care what the genre is. I will listen to it. I will enjoy it and take it for what it is. So at the end of the day, I don't care if you use Play-Doh, a paintbrush, a piano, or maybe you're giving someone a stone cold stunner. But at the end of the day, it's, <laughs> it, it's still an outward expression of, of creativity. And I just find wrestling to be like the, the perfect potpourri of, of all the artistic forms of expression and also to the incorporation of athleticism into it too. Were you born of athletes? Is your family? No. No, so you were no, that anomaly. No. You're a rare athlete. <laughs> I'm a rare athlete for both sides of my family. No one really would consider themselves athletic. I don't even consider myself athletic. I'm just good at running into things. <laughs> you are the brute squad, pretty much. You know, you're not, I just you, snorted. It was really funny. <laughs> well, you're, you're not. Look, you're not going to find me playing basketball. You're not going to find me playing baseball. You're not going to find me playing volleyball. Lacrosse, I don't know how I got good at that. How about but, badminton? Probably not. I'll probably hurt myself in the process. <laughs> probably more likelihood of me hurting myself playing badminton than being in a wrestling. Right. So I give up on sports in 87 after the Mets won in 86, and I don't really care about sports anymore. Okay. I understand that I don't, like, follow anything, but I know who Drew Brees is or, you know, I just know things. Is he still playing? I have no idea. It doesn't matter. No, he just retired. Yeah, I, I just know names, right? I no. Know, like, there's two um, there's, there's brothers, Eli and Mannings, right? It's hey, enough yep. to know. I can watch a game, and that's fine. But you really... Were you born? You weren't born 300 pounds and, you know, eight feet tall. But how did you get to that point in your life and said, oh, oh I'm going to start running into people now? You know, it's very funny. So growing up, I did a lot of things that people that know me now would look at me and go, wait, you did that? And, you know, like I said, again, 
art. Always have been into art and mm -hmm. some form of expression of it. So when I was younger, I was a child actor. You know, I did the whole thing. My mother running me all around the city, all the different. Wait, tell me some commercials you did as a kid. Okay, Pizza. I Hut. did one. Okay, yeah. So go ahead. Pizza Hut, Sears, and Toys R Us were the commercials, and I did countless print ads countless print ads but like sears catalog stuff sears catalogs macy's uh something for annie when that show came back on broadway in maybe wow. the late 80s yeah had a few movie tryouts for dennis the menace and things like that sorry i had to lurch into it you can't you, not. you gotta you gotta do it it's okay you know i did a campbell soup commercial never aired but i did a campbell soup commercial <laughs> well my father gave my mother one year she said you have one year to to get him off the ground with this and then right. he, he's got to be poured into school and right you know and i think it was more so her tiring and i don't blame her because back then with no cell phones you'd get a phone call out of nowhere on your house phone, if anyone even knows what a house phone is anymore. Right, the quartered rotary yellow yeah, style exactly, thing. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and there's only one in the house, so the cord's a 1,000 feet long. Yep, yeah. and then it's just having to run into Manhattan in the, in the mid-'80s, pushing the stroller around with me and it rushing to get there just in time. So I think she had her fill with that, and that was, that was the end of that. But from there, you know, I went on and, and did the church choir. Uh, I did some musicals. Your baritone or an alto? I was soprano, believe it or not. No. Yes. Yes. I was very Not a castrato? Oh, I'm, I, I'm, I, I might as well have been. You're you a know. soprano. My God. Another fucking box to check. My, all right. Keep going. Well, I eventually became a bass, but, right. you know, soprano. And like I said, I, I did a lot of uh, musicals and then a lot of other uh, acting, just straightforward, you know, school plays and stuff like that. I just- Favorite musical? Favorite musical. I'm going to have to go with Hairspray. Wow. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, that's a big one in our house. Any reason why? <sighs> you know, I think it does a great job of highlighting uh, the ignorance from that time period and really, you know, honing in on the diversity in it and the acceptance that we're still, unfortunately, striving for today. So I played Charlie Brown in three separate stagings of your Goodman oh. Charlie Brown across four years. Wow. Wow. How many did you get a lot of awards for that? In third grade, we had a like cupcakes afterwards. Okay. That counts. Yeah. Okay. So award winning actor then. I'm an award cupcake award winning actor. Che now you have a box of Chekhov. You have a SAG card? No. That's long gone or you never got one? I never got one. I never got one. I, I do have my IMDB credit as a producer and, and, and as an actor. Well, then you're real. I, I guess, I guess, but you no. need the strike though. Yeah, I, I, I need the SAG card. Yeah, as of this recording, the strike is over. Yeah, <laughs> the, exactly. the writer's strike is over. Well, you know, I don't know. Do I have to make up for lost time? I could go outside and just walk back and forth with a sign. Maybe, right. Maybe that would help. You know, I sandwich know. board. Yes. Anything that we could put on it, maybe, perhaps. Yeah. All right. So let's talk '80s wrestling because that was the hook of the world back then no yes. one even knew i mean fine bruno san martino like who's this guy right and then all of a sudden hulk hogan shows up yep and like everyone at least everyone probably my age like between like maybe 45 and 55 at this point now lost their goddamn shit mm -hmm. and wrestlemania one was so sold out it was the first like what do they call it? Like pay-per-view or simulcast? We had to go to my high school well, to watch it on a screen in the auditorium. There was no way to watch it otherwise. Fun factoid. Everyone always thinks that's the first pay-per-view. That was not the first pay-per-view. The first pay-per-view as we know it 
kids nowadays don't know the joy of a cable box and right. all that stuff. Yeah. But that was actually a closed circuit event. Closed circuit. Sorry, you're right. Wrong the language. The first wrestling pay-per-view produced by World Wrestling Entertainment, as they're known as now, was the Wrestling Classic in 1986. Oh, that was like way after WrestleMania 1. Yes, everything was closed circuit prior to. So did your favorites back then? I had my favorites. Oh, you mentioned my favorite. Uh, you know, Hulk Hogan. Hogan. I, I'm a Hogan guy. I was a junkyard dog guy. Okay. I was I was Hogan, and then I became a huge Ultimate Warrior guy. That was probably after I started not really liking it anymore. I moved on to like Transformers and G.I. Joe. I've always stuck with Ghostbusters and wrestling. Those those were the two. Those are good choices. Oh, yeah. Those solid. Solid. Did you have like the rubberized, like, like third to scale dolls? They weren't really dolls. I had, I had a like Stretch Armstrong, but like the L- I saw Jim Duggan. The, the LGN ones. You could actually use those as an object yes. to possibly club someone over the head with. Uh, not, yeah. that I, not, not, not that I've ever done <laughs> those anything are blunt like that. Objects. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but no, I, I had a few of those as hand me downs from my older cousin. We had a. We we had Hasbro's. That's what they had when they first started making those in the early '90s. And I I still got my Roddy Piper one on my desk downstairs, my office. Roddy Piper, who like redefined wrestling stardom by being in the uh, John Carpenter's They Live movie. We just recently watched that for the first time. Not myself, but I shared that with my wife for the first time in my house. One of the best uh, street fight scenes in movie history. <laughs> them kicking the shit out of each other for like 30 minutes in the alley. Then he forces the glasses on him. Yes, if you haven't watched They Live. You got to watch They Live. If you don't know what it is, you will find out. It's called They Live. That's it. John Carpenter, you're done. Straight to the point. Done. Yeah. You can't, you just can't do it. Like there's Halloween and then there's They Live. Well, you it know. It's like in between the thing, right? Well, now I have to say, and I will say my one swear word, you know, the, the line from the movie that everyone always knows is, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum and I'm all out of bubble gum. Yep. So now everyone knows where that's from. They Live. You have an assignment. Do it. So our, I, I'm, I'm blanking on this. It was um, Rowdy Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff versus Hogan and who for the M- first one? Mr. T. It was Mr. T. Yes. And, and they had- well, Didn't they meet it during Rocky or something? They met during Rocky Three, Right. And it was my understanding, especially being that we mentioned Rowdy Piper, one of the greatest of all time. He's on his own Mount Rushmore of wrestling. But oh, sure. Apparently, Mr. T was very difficult to work with. And uh, you can see that he wasn't very respectful of, uh, you know, his wrestlers called the business. And uh, I think Roddy Piper had to kind of let him know if, if you're not willing to play ball, I'm going to make you play ball. Mm. And that's kind of the urban legend that goes around the campfire and I've seen it on a few documentaries. So, yeah, you had uh, you had Mr. Wonderful and you had uh, Roddy Piper on one side with well, Randy Savage showed up and like, holy shit, who yep. did this guy? Exactly. Well, right. the, you know. That guy never wore the same outfit on television. Really? More than once. Yeah. That was like the Liberace of wrestlers. Yep. He was amazing. He was great. Another one before his time, you know, there's certain wrestlers that get credit for, you know, an overall package and the pomp performance. And then there's a set, like I just said, there's a separate Mount Rushmore of wrestling where you have guys like Roddy Piper and even Macho Man where it's like, these are all-time greats, but they're great for actually the wrestling itself, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the attention to detail. Macho Man was one of the first guys that actually went ahead and 
would plot out his matches, you know, again, predetermined. Sorry. But everything's choreography. It's really hard to remember, too. Yeah, it is. You know, a lot of times when you, you're in the ring there, you know, you kind of have a, a roundabout idea of what's going to happen, but things change on the fly. And while a lot of people may think we're just talking nonsense to one another, we're actually giving each other instructions. <laughs> and then there's also like someone like George the Animal Steel was like a professor at Harvard or something, too. Yes, he he actually he was a he was a I think a college professor. I know for sure that he was a high school gym teacher and football coach. Right. All the older egos. Yeah. Extraordinary. But these are the folks that paved the way for, you know, um, Dave Batista and The Rock and um, I don't know, uh, John Cena. Right. No, it, it, it's incredible now where. Hogan was one of the first ones to do it, make the transition to Hollywood. But I think right. we saw, you know, unfortunately, no one's going ahead and speaking about the critically acclaimed film, Mr. Nanny, anytime soon. Oh, yeah. That's a rewatchable for sure. Or Suburban Commando. Yeah. No one, no, no <laughs> one's bringing those up. But now, since, Classics. You, since you had those guys who paved the trail, even Roddy Piper, they live. Yeah. Now there's more opportunities for once these guys are done with their wrestling career they can move on to something a, a little bit more stable, but again, still on that art wheelhouse. Yeah. You know, so, uh, from what I understand, studios love wrestlers because of the fact that they don't have to hire a stuntman. That's true. You know? Added bonus. Exactly. Well, it's all theater. Everything comes down to theater. Exactly. It's all it is. People want to be entertained. Oh, you're not entertained! <laughs> you know, it, it, it's going ahead and, and suspending, uh, suspending, you know, disbelief and... uh Gosh, with everything going on in the world right now, people could find solace in things like wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. So let's spend the last five minutes talking about you never thought you'd be a nonprofit fundraiser. It's like not not in your box to check until you had to, you know, learn what it was like to have a need to help people that, you know, should go through something less terrible than you went through until you had to go through something pretty terrible. You're raising money for St. Jude. By the way, my oncologist is at St. Jude. Tom Merchant is the head of oncology at St. Jude. So I, I, strong, I don't like their ads, but I like what they do. It's really important. I have been so fortunate. So it comes in two different forms. So one way that I work with a few of these nonprofits is is through raising money through my wrestling. And I've actually just partnered with three very well-known organizations, uh, the V Foundation, another well, which is run by ESPN, and they also happen to run Connor's Cure, which is WWE's cancer research charity. So now they're all underneath one roof. And I've also uh, recently uh, come to terms to help uh, with some marketing stuff for Sloan Kettering, which was where I was treated. Me too. And uh, we're the same person, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. We're both handsome guys with very long heads of hair and nice yes. beards, flowing, you know, flowing, Yanni kind of hair. It's getting yeah. in each other's faces right now. Yeah, it's, dude, it's kind of difficult. Away. Yeah, please. We have to get a foot back, please. Okay, thank you. I'm just going to push my chair back. And I'm also uh, getting a chance to work with Melanoma Research Alliance and. That's something, you know, that's something I'm very happy about, but they're also very happy about it as well as being that I survived lepto and no one else has done that. So now, you know, everything I do, especially the wrestling, while it is a little bit of a self-serve, it is great that it gives me a platform to put myself out there and people to look and go, hey, if this knucklehead can still chase his dreams, get married, have a kid you know, function as a high level corporate executive, then maybe there's a chance for me. And that's all I really wanted to do was just show people like, if I can do it, you got this. But 
back to your question, the other way that I get to work with nonprofits is when my wife said, hey, dad, you know, we're, we're expecting here. Right. I said to myself, okay, well, I need a little bit more security than owning my own businesses. My wife was a New York City school teacher, and we both agreed that we wanted her to raise not only uh, her daughter, my stepdaughter, but raise uh, our own daughter. Oh, it's easy. Piece of cake. Part-time job. Well, and, and, oh, Isn't God. it? I have two. It was, no, it was a no-brainer to raise two kids. Well, I, yeah. just, I just said, you know what? It, it's your turn to, to stay home. So that's when I figured, you know what? Time for me to go out to pound the pavement a little bit and figure out where can Sean fit into this work world now that I've put the cancer behind me and everything else. And I wound up getting a wonderful job at a company called Gig USA. And they really believed in me and gave me a shot and I'm their business development manager. And it's kind of basically like, Hey, pick the organizations you want to work with, which is great because I get to really go out of my way for an organization like college, uh, for cancer for college. Isn't that like Will Ferrell's group? Yes. Yeah. I actually, I went down, uh, to their gala, uh, the other evening on Saturday night and, you know, I've sat here and, and shared my story and you've shared your story with your listeners, but I'll tell you, I'm pretty sure we have kind of the same mindset where we look at the cancer. And I always say this, that cancer was the most beautiful thing to ever happen to me. And people mm-hmm. look at me like I have nine heads. Yeah. But like I said, has, hashtag meathead frat boy, I was living a life, but it wasn't a fulfilling life. Right. Cancer being that beautiful thing, as I call it, gave me perspective to appreciate. And I've done more living in the past seven years of my life than I've done the previous 31 and in talking to some of these kids that are just either going into college or getting out of college, but they've gone ahead and uh, they they got sick when they were like eight years old. And yeah. they have the same mindset that we have. And it's just like, holy goodness. Like, Well, we've been given gifts. Yeah. And, and we, can, we, try to an- we can try to answer the question, how the fuck are we still here? Which yep. is another podcast. Yep. To do this. I love that you list on your, um, on your LinkedIn profile. By all accounts, I'm not supposed to be here. But I'd rather say that you're past your expiration date. Yeah, yeah. I'm the zombie. <laughs> yes. So, so again, like Sean Walker. Well, I've never been a wrestler. I, I, I played football once and broke my hand, so I'm uh, never playing that again. I'm not a sports person. I've never owned a coffee empire. <laughs> um, uh, but I did have a golf ball-sized tumor in my cerebellum as a young adult with rare cancer. And we do a lot of stuff in uh, nonprofit consulting as well. And I'm a wrestling nut <laughs> on the not wrestler side. <laughs> but the I, I want to find on eBay the original WWF cassette tape from 1980-something-something. But I'm thrilled to physically see you here in person <laughs> Not the last time, my friend. So thank you for sharing everything with us and giving us a bit of a retro throwback to the 80s and 90s. And if I could just uh, give uh, one one shout out, so to speak. (laughs) Okay. My mic's been cut. I just want to thank everyone at the New York Wrestling Connection. Uh, I'll be working with them on October 28th for a a nice sized event. Actually, it'll be the largest independent wrestling event in Long Island history. And they've chosen to have me on the card and Again, I'm, I'm looking forward to it just to be able to use it as a platform to raise awareness for the, the beauty of cancer research. Well, this may air after that, so good luck. Thank you so much. <laughs> be well, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is an Offscript Health production. 
The executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. It's mixed and edited by Kyle Moore. If you like the show, ratings and reviews are always welcome. Leave us a message anytime at 855-AUDIO-66. That's 855-AUDIO-66 to share your healthcare shitness with us. And we might just play them on the air on a future episode. For more information about this show and Offscript Health, visit offscript.com. That's offscript, no T, dot com.